first advent, when Jesus came as a child, but there was also sermons and teaching about Christ's coming in his glory at the second coming. This morning we're going to concentrate on that first coming, which is sometimes called the Annunciation. Sounds a grand name for announcing a birth, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't whether your births of children were announced with a great announcement from an angel, but uh, anyway, Simon reminded us last week that his name's going to be called Jesus, and as he said last week, Simon, that the Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua, and it means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. That's fantastic news, isn't it? That's he saves us. Jesus came to be our saviour, but not only ours. And we spent a little time last week thinking about how beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Yeah? And we're those feet, we're those people who can bring good news. And God's heart is that all should be saved. It says in 1 Timothy, This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Pause. I've forgotten to get the clicker. So our theme is accepting, and we're going to accept, hopefully, several things. I think when you have a present given to you, you have two choices, don't you? You either receive it and accept it, or you... No, I don't want that. <laughs> Can't stand that. So let's accept what God wants to give us this morning. And the uh, first... Right, try again. <laughs> the first one is accept God's gift of grace. We sang and began the service with amazing grace. Isn't it amazing that God gives us his grace? One of the best things about Christmas is the gift of God's grace. We can see this in the reading. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Gabriel told Mary she was a highly favoured one. And not only is Mary highly favoured, but so are we. I say this because the original word for highly favoured comes from the word we translate as God's grace. And this original word is only used one other time in the whole of the New Testament. And that's in Ephesians 1.6. And if you look in the King James Version of the Bible, it says at the end of their reading in Ephesians 1.6 that having predestined us to be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. We were greatly loved, and we are now accepted in the beloved, in Jesus. Christians, God's grace makes us accepted in the beloved. God's grace makes us accepted because we are in Christ. Being accepted by God is indescribably good, and it puts us in the same company as the Lord's highly favoured mother. But there is more grace for us in Mary's story, because in the next two verses it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. When we read about Mary finding favour with God, we might think Mary had done something special. Do you think you have to do something special for God to find favour with him? The answer is no, because it's his grace that he pours out to us. There's not a lot of time for Mary to do much. She was probably a teenager, 14 or 15. And the word favour is a little different from the highly favoured, but it's still talking about God's grace. Mary did no great deeds to earn the blessing of being Lord's mother. Had she won any great battles? Did she have impressive degrees? No. Had she given away a lot of money? Probably not. Did she find the cure for some dreaded disease? She wasn't certainly one as a doctor. None of these things. She did nothing special to earn God's favour. There was nothing that Mary did to be born a woman. There was nothing she did to be a descendant of King David. And there was essential for the mother of the Messiah to be a descendant of King David. There was nothing because she was living in Nazareth. She didn't plan that particularly. It happened. And that was crucial because the prophet said that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. All these qualifications that Mary had all came by the grace of Almighty God. God gives us far more than we deserve. He is full of grace towards us. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. We simply need to be prepared to accept the grace of God. Mary was surely a godly and special woman, but just like us, she was a sinner who needed a saviour. And Mary found the gift of the grace of God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. second thing we need to accept this morning is accept God's peace. When she saw that angel, she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. Mary was greatly troubled. That means she was greatly disturbed, agitated, alarmed. Mary was troubled when she saw that angel. She was probably scared to death. Who wouldn't be? If an angel appeared on my right-hand side this morning, I would be panicking. <laughs> and I think you would be surprised as well and wondering what the heck's going on. <laughs> he probably wasn't going to be the sort of angel that's just sort of got a bright white gown on, but, you know, some of them had swords in their hand. You know, who knows what's going to happen when an angel appears? You would be greatly troubled. Sometimes, of course... Have you ever been troubled? Have you ever been afraid? Of course we all have at some point, haven't we? 
maybe several times over. We live in fearful days. Sometimes it seems like the whole world's going crazy. Last Thursday, Liz and I went to see her brother and had a meal together, and a lot of the conversation around the table was about the state of the world, the situation in Ukraine, the political and financial turmoil in our country in recent months, the difficulties of bringing up a family in this day and age. So much things that can cause fear and worry and anxiety. There are a whole, whole load of things that can trouble our hearts. Some people here today may be struggling with sorrow. Some are troubled about their health or the health of loved ones. Some are troubled over family problems. And some, especially in the current cost of living crisis, are troubled by their finances. But God, just as he wanted to do with Mary, wants to calm our fears. He has the answer for our anxieties. And it's really the same, same sort of thing that the Gabriel said. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God wants to be our strength and refuge. A very present help in times of trouble. Life will seem scary at times, but Jesus wants to calm our fears. And when we do get afraid, we need to pray like David prayed in Psalm 56. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you, David said. We will face situations that could cause us to fear, but God wants us to face them not on our own. Instead, he wants us to run into his arms and rely on his love and grace so that we may can accept his peace. The third acceptance in this passage is accepting God's rule. When we come to see something here about God's kingdom, there are some vital things in these verses. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you have to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God wants us to know about his kingdom. We can find quite a lot of truth about his kingdom in this passage. I know that uh, sometimes people really need to get hold of the meaning of Christmas, don't they? Christmas can be so full of doing, preparing, buying presents, everything. But the real meaning is that Jesus came to be our saviour. So many today don't think that. They even don't think Jesus ever existed, which is crazy, isn't it? But Jesus is the son of the Most High. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. God became a man, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, born in Bethlehem to die on a cross for our sins and raised again from the dead to reign over an everlasting kingdom. The title reminds us that Jesus is not only human, he came in human flesh, but he's completely divine. He's the son of God. The second thing is that God will establish Jesus as king. The kingdom of God is near, John the Baptist declared to those around him. Then he pointed people to Jesus. I am not the Messiah, John said. 
That's the one you need to follow. You need to follow Jesus. Jesus proclaimed the same message. The kingdom of God is near, but he added the words, the time has come. By this, Jesus was telling his hearers that the kingdom was wrapped up in himself. Jesus was closing one age and opening another. The kingdom of God, what what do you understand by the kingdom of God? Is it the church? I believe it's far bigger than the church, in fact. I think the church is included in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is effectively the government of God. His rule and authority on earth. It can be perhaps summarised as the kingdom of God is God's will being expressed. And the only way to know about the kingdom really is to know the king. Last week we sang Our God Reigns. One of the key ways that God reigns today is by being the king and ruler in our hearts. In other words, his kingdom can be seen wherever people follow his will and plans. Sometimes a shop has a sign which reads, Under New Management. I believe that's happened a bit where Blesson and Sobia have lived. They live behind a shop that was one thing one day, and now it's under new management, and it's something else today. Yeah? So sometimes things are under new management, and that's what it means to be under the kingship of Jesus. That sign, under new management, should be outside our church. We're not in charge ourselves. We're not running a social club here. We are the church of God and part of the kingdom of God. And we're under new management. When we become Christians, we no longer rule our own lives. They belong to Jesus. He's our king and we are his subjects. And the final... Uh, Sorry, there was two more thoughts. The next thing is the kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. It says in the scripture that the kingdom of God will have no end. It will go on. It started, it continues to expand, and it will have no end. In the future, Jesus is coming again. That's great news. He will establish the kingdom of God in all its fullness. We haven't got all the kingdom yet. There's a future dimension to it. The breaking in of the fullness of the kingdom at the end of ages will be marked by three key things. Restoration. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Secondly, wholeness. It says in Revelation, he will wipe away from their eyes every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And finally, there will be a universal kingship. It won't be just us acknowledging Jesus as king. Everybody will have to acknowledge Jesus as king. It says in Philippians, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Christ's righteousness will fill the entire universe. What a great hope. However, there's one little thought about God's kingdom. It isn't easy always to follow God's will. Can you imagine yourself being Mary with the news that the angel Gabriel had given her? She's in an unenviable position. She's told she's going to have a child outside of marriage. With all the ensuing scandal in her hometown, 
the shame she'll bring on her family, the potential rejection by her fiancé Joseph. In fact, it says that in Matthew, that he thought about divorcing her. Put yourself in her shoes. Would you want to follow God's will in those circumstances? Have a baby outside of marriage in that culture at that time. Do you sometimes find it hard to understand what God is doing and have questions about God's will for your life? Mary had a question too, didn't she? She seeks clarification. How will this be? How can I have this baby since I am a virgin? The angel explains that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit, not by human means. But Gabriel also goes on to give her another example. She reminds of her, her cousin, who was going to have a baby as well, who Gabriel had visited six months earlier and told her that she was going to have a baby. The other thing we need to accept is God's power, and that really flows from that point. Can you see God's power at work in this, in this story? Think of the story of Elizabeth, how Gabriel had visited her, and then he visits Mary. His power is at work. At Christmas, we see the miraculous power of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. It said in the video, for with think God, all things are possible, didn't it? Nothing's impossible with God. It says in the NIV, for no word from God will ever fail. Elizabeth was way too old to have a baby. She was called barren because she had no kids. The world had written her off. She'd probably written herself off. But nothing is too hard for God. Remember that. Take it on board. Nothing is too hard for God. God turned the impossible into the possible. No word from God will ever fail. And so Elizabeth became the mother of John the Baptist. God will not always give us a baby. I hope he won't give me another baby. <laughs> and so, but he will always do the right things for us. All good things are possible with God. And Christians get to see the hand of God at work, even in miraculous ways. We can be sure that every day God answers prayers in amazing ways because all good things are possible with God. And finally, we need to be like Mary right at the end of that story and accept God's will as a faithful servant. God wants every Christian to have a heart for service like Mary had in verse 38. She says to the angel Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Could Mary have said no? I have to believe that she could. I cannot conceive of God forcing someone to bear his child, can you? Mary didn't have to say yes, but she did say yes to God. Mary said yes, even though her whole world was going to be turned upside down. Mary said yes. She was blessed. Mary said yes. We are blessed. Mary said yes, I'll have the saviour. And the whole world is blessed. How will you and I answer God when he comes to you with a word? When something jumps out to you from the scripture as you're reading the word of God and it says, are you going to do this? 
How will you respond? The Lord had an extremely important assignment for Mary, but he's also got important things for us to do. God has some things for us to do that maybe no one else can do. How will you answer God? Thank God Mary said, yes, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary submitted herself to be the servant of the Lord. She accepted what the Lord had planned for her life. Now you may think, I am too old to serve the Lord. Well, there's a dear old saint in our last church who said, you never retire in the service of the Lord. <laughs> so there's no retirement, there's no pension. There is a wonderful pension inheritance to come, but you never retire in the service of the Lord. We're never too old to serve the Lord. As long as God gives us strength, there are ways to serve the God. And there's a story told about someone who interviewed Billy Graham, the evangelist. He asked Billy if he anticipated great rewards in heaven for the millions of lives touched through his worldwide ministry. And Dr. Graham answered that he was not sure of the extent of his own rewards, but he was certain others would have greater rewards than he. Billy said that somewhere in America today, a faithful elderly woman is on her knees, praying for her little country church, her family and her nation. For maybe 80 years, that sweet lady has been faithful to her Lord. She's prayed, read the Bible daily, taught children's Sunday school. Billy said that lady, and many like her, will receive the greatest rewards in heaven. You see, said Billy, we are not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful servants. How will we answer God's call this morning? How will we respond to God's assignment for your life? <coughs> May God help us to be more like Virgin Mary. May God help us to be the blessing that he wants us to be for his kingdom. May we enjoy living in that amazing grace of God and accept the will of God, just as Mary did. Amen. I'm going to sing one final song.